0: So Trump has lost the election, I assume. I mean, when, by the time I release this, it all may have changed. But at the moment, Trump has lost the election, and he's not going to be president very soon. Uh, people make fun of him, and they should, because he's a horrible human being, and I don't like him any more than anyone else. But one of the things that I always thought was unfair is that he makes speeches, and everyone makes fun of the speeches. They, they copy the things he says, uh, but then they do the voice. And I kind of wondered... If you don't do Trump's voice, do the things he says sound more sensible? So I found a transcript of one of his speeches. And this is from when he was talking to the CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, uh, outside of Washington, D.C. Now, the speech is very long. And C. McBee is supposed to be the long format version of a LASA podcast, but... I don't think you want to suffer through this whole thing. So I'm going to actually cut out some bits in the middle. But it starts out, he's he's been introduced and he's going to start talking. I would have come last year, but I was worried that I would be, at the time, too controversial. We wanted border security. We wanted very, very strong military. We wanted all of the things that we're going to get. And people consider that controversial, but you don't consider it controversial. So I've been with CPAC for a long time, all of these years we've been together, and now you finally have a president, finally, took you a long time, took you a long time. And it's patriots like you that made it happen, believe me, believe me, you did it because you love your country, because you want a better future for your children, and because you want to make America great again. The media didn't think we would win. The pundits... You're right. They had an idea. The pundits didn't think we would win. The consultants that suck up all that money, oh, they suck it up. They're so good. They're not good at politics, but they're really good at sucking up people's money, especially my opponents, because I kept them down to a minimum. But the consultants didn't think we would win. But they all underestimated the power of the people, you. And the people proved them totally wrong. Never. And and this is so true. And this is what's been happening. Never underestimate the people. Never. I don't think it'll ever happen again. And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. It's fake. Phony. Fake. A few days ago, I called the fake news the enemy of the people. And they are. They are the enemy of the people. Because they have no sources. They just make them up. I saw one story recently where they said, nine people have confirmed there are no nine people. I don't believe there was one or two people. Nine people. And I said, give me a break. Because I know the people. I know who they talk to. There were no nine people, but they say nine people. And somebody reads it, and they think, oh, nine people. They have nine sources. They make up sources. They're very dishonest people. In fact, covering my comments, the dishonest media did not explain that I called the fake news the enemy of the people, the fake news. They dropped off the word fake, and all of a sudden the story became, the media is the enemy. They take the word fake out, and now I'm saying, oh no, this is no good. But that's the way they are. So I'm not against the media. I'm not against the press. I don't mind bad stories if I deserve them. And I tell you, I love good stories, but we don't go. I don't get too many of them, but I am only against the fake news, media, or press. Fake, fake. They have to leave that word. I'm against the people that make up stories and make up sources. They shouldn't be allowed to use sources unless they use someone's name. Let their name be put out there. Let their name be put out. A source says Donald Trump is a horrible, horrible human being. Let him say it to my face. Let there be no more sources. And remember this. And in not in all cases, I mean, I had a story written yesterday about me in Reuters by a very honorable man. It was a very fair story. There are some great reporters around. They're talented. They're honest as the day is long. They're great. But there are some terrible, dishonest people. And they do a tremendous disservice to our country and to our people. A tremendous disservice. They are very dishonest people. And they shouldn't use sources. They should put the name of the person You will see stories dry up like you've never seen before. So you have no idea how bad it is, because if you are not part of the story, and I put myself in your position sometimes, because many of you, you're not part of the story. And if you're not part of the story, you know, then you sort of know. If you are part of the story, you know what they are saying is true or not. So when they make it up, and they make up something else, and you saw that before the election, polls, polls, the polls. They come out with those polls, and everybody was so surprised. Actually, a couple of polls got it right. I must say, Los Angeles Times did a great job. Shocking, because, you know, they did a great job. And we had a couple of others that were right. But generally speaking, I mean, I can tell you the network. Somebody said a poll came out. And I say, what network is it? And they'll say, a certain, let's not even mention names, right? Shall we? Well, you have a lot of them. Look, the Clinton News Network is one. Totally, take a look. Honestly, take a look. Honestly, take a look at the polls over the last two years. Now, you'd think they would fire the pollster, right? After years and years of getting battered. But I, who knows, maybe they are just bad at polling. Or maybe they're not legit. But it's one or the other. Look at how inaccurate. Look at CBS. Look at ABC. Also, look at NBC, take a look at some of these polls. They're so bad, so inaccurate. And what does this and what that does is create a false narrative. It creates like this narrative that there is just like we're not going to win. People say, I love Trump, but you know, I'm not feeling great today. He can't win. So I won't go and vote. I won't go and vote. It creates a whole false deal. And we have to fight it, folks. We have to fight it. They're very smart. They're very cunning. And they're very dishonest. So just to conclude, I mean, it's a very sensitive topic, and they're upset when we expose their false stories. They say that we can't criticize their dishonest coverage because of the First Amendment, you know. They always bring up the First Amendment. And I love the First Amendment. Nobody loves it better than me. Nobody. I mean, who uses it more than I do? But the First Amendment gives us all. It gives all of us. It gives it to me. It gives it to you. It gives it to all Americans. The right to speak our mind freely. It gives you the right and me the right to criticize fake news and criticize it strongly. And many of these groups are part of the large media corporations that have their own agenda. And it's not just your agenda. And it's not the country's agenda. It's their own agenda. They have a professional obligation as a member of the press to report honestly. But as you saw throughout the entire campaign, and even now, the fake news doesn't tell the truth doesn't tell the truth. So just in finishing, I say it doesn't represent the people. It doesn't tell the never will represent the people. And we're going to do something about it because we have to go out and we have to speak our minds and we have to be honest. Our victory was a win like nobody has ever seen before. I'm here fighting for you and I will continue to fight for you. The victory and the win were something that really was dedicated to a country and people that believe in freedom, security, and the rule of law. Our victory. A victory was a victory and a win for conservative values. And our victory was a win for everyone who believes it's time to stand up for America, to stand up for the American worker, and to stand up for the American flag. Yeah, there we should stand up. Come on. There we should stand up. Okay. And by the way, we love our flag. And by the way, you folks are in here. This place is packed. There are lines that go back six blocks, and I tell you that because you won't read about it, okay? But there are lines that go back six blocks, and there is such love in this country for everything we stand for. You saw that on election day, and you're going to see it more and more. So we're all part of this very historic movement, a movement the likes of which actually the world has never seen before. There's never been anything like this. There's been some movements, but there's never been anything like this. There's been some movements that petered out, like Bernie petered out. But it was a little rigged against him, you know, super delegate, super delegate. She had so many delegates before the thing even started. I actually said to my people, how does that happen? Not that I'm a fan of Bernie, but a lot of Bernie people voted for Trump. You know why? Because he's right on one issue, trade. He was right about trade. Our country is being absolutely devastated with the bad trade deals. So he was right about that but we got a lot of Bernie support. So actually, I like Bernie, okay? I like Bernie. But I'm here today to tell you what this movement means for the future of the Republican Party and for the future of America. First, we need to define what this great, great, unprecedented movement is and what it actually represents. The core conviction of our movement is that we are a nation that put and will put its own citizens first. At this point, the audience starts chanting, USA, USA, USA. There are about 20 more minutes of that speech, but I think when the crowd starts chanting USA is really the best time to sign off. So you tell me, after listening to that speech in a normal voice, does Trump seem more or less annoying or insane than he did before? Okay, so there's a comic called Chainsaw Man, which I had never heard of. But it's very popular, and it's about to get an anime. So it was a comic, now they're going to make an anime out of it. So it's, it's got to be pretty big. You can't get an anime from a comic if it's not already pretty popular. The name Chainsaw Man is what struck me, because there's a lot of XX mans in Japan. The most famous for me being, when I was back in Canada, I heard that there was a comic called Rape Man, and I did not believe it. But it is a real thing. And it is just as weird as you might think it is. Because in this case, the man who does the rape, he's doing it to save the women. It is just awful. I've never actually read it. But here is the sort of summary or the overall idea of Chainsaw Man that I would like to introduce to you. Denji has a simple dream. To live a happy and peaceful life, spending time with a girl he likes. That's pretty nice. As far as dreams go, I mean, it's not high fluting or anything. He just wants, you know, calm, relaxed. Uh, This is a far cry from reality, however, as Denji is forced by the Yakuza into killing devils in order to pay off his crushing debts. So there was my first set of questions. Why are the Yakuza killing devils? And this becomes more important when we hit the second paragraph which I will get to eventually. Apparently in this world, there are devils or relatively common occurrence. And this guy's gotten into debt with the Yakuza. I don't know what the debts are for. I assume it's something stupid because it's a Japanese comic. And they always make the debt like he played Pachinko or something. And that's why he has crushing debts. Uh, Or it's incredibly noble and the Yakuza are like abusing him. And he's actually already paid it off two times over. I'm now at the point where I kind of want to read the first couple of issues just to find out what, how this situation came about. And you need to know how many devils are there in the world for it to be an issue that the Yakuza would actually go out of their way to kill them. Using his pet devil Pochita as a weapon, he's ready to do anything for a bit of cash. So he's just, he's just a, a gun for hire. And apparently his gun has a cute name, Pochita, which I did quite like. Japan, if it's good at anything, is taking a horrible, weird premise and then making something cute, just sticking it right in there, and it stands out, but you end up loving it. Unfortunately, it was a turn in the second paragraph. It's sad that we even got here. He has outlived his usefulness and is murdered by a devil in contract with the Yakuza. So they're paying this guy to kill devils, but they are also at the same time paying devils to kill people. That's a very Yakuza thing to do. They're not taking sides. They're playing both sides. But it seems like this is never going to work out. Now, I don't know much about the devils in this universe, this world that they're creating. But I do know that deals with devils don't tend to go your way in the long run. So we started with an unfortunately second sentence. However, so there's two turns in two sentences. In an unexpected turn of events, which is almost what however means. Pochita. Merges with Denji's dead body and grants him the powers of a chainsaw devil. That actually makes it sound like a chainsaw devil's a thing. Which I guess it is. Because again, we don't know what the devils are like. There might be all kinds of devils. Japan has sort of the Shinto religion where everything has a god in it. So I guess everything would also have a devil. So your chainsaw, it's the god of chainsaws. Now able to transform parts of his body into chainsaws which has horrible implications if you're like me and just reading this and just seeing like, okay, parts of his body means what? So I assume it's hands and arms, maybe legs. But of course, there's other parts of the body and it's a guy. And you know what I'm saying without saying it. What if he turns his liver into a chainsaw? Can he do that? Is it a nose? Can he do tiny chainsaws on each of his eyelashes? This would be something I would like to know. A revived Denji uses his new abilities to quickly and brutally dispatch his enemies. Catching the eye of the official devil hunters who arrive at the scene, he is offered work at the Public Safety Bureau as one of them. So this was a secondary issue. Why are the Yakuza going out of their way to kill devils if there's a Public Safety Bureau who seems to be tasked with also killing devils? It would actually be easier for the yakuza instead of abusing denji at the beginning to just call the public safety bureau and tell them where the devils are that they want killed if that's what they're going to do anyways now this also brings in a, a very secondary question about their hiring practices uh, there's no interview there's no board of standards that needs to be applied to he kills devils which i i don't know if that's legal or not uh, since he just gets hired right away, I assume it is actually okay. Devils apparently in this universe do not have the same rights as a mortal human being. But I bet there is an advocacy group out there. In the, in, if I was writing this, there would be. It would be like the, the pro-devil coalition, the PDC, PDC. And they would be saying like, it's not right that we just kill devils because they're devils. We should try to like negotiate and, and be friends with them or something. But my actual point is this hiring process is actually flawed because if you are just hiring willy-nilly people who show up at crime scenes, who have murdered devils, you're not exactly picking the cream of the crop. Now, of course, we're going to assume that Denji is nobly intended, that he is a good guy who wants to do the right thing, uh, that he, he, he looks down on his Yakuza connections, but we don't know. He could be a plant, which means if the Yakuza want to plant someone in the public safety bureau, all they have to do is get someone good enough, get out there and kill a bunch of devils and then hang around. They'll show up and be like, hey, you want a job as a devil hunter? Unless these are freelance mercenaries and the government is just paying for them, which is also a very common thing in Japanese manga. They don't want to tie them to a government agency. So they work with them or for them as a freelance. But the contracts are very open. It gives you more, more leeway in your morality. But I have my doubts about the efficacy of the Public Safety Bureau if they are just hiring people off the streets with no interview process. Now, with the means to face even the toughest of enemies. So I assume that means uh, the Public Safety Bureau is giving him equipment or support in some way that he didn't have before. Denji will stop at nothing to achieve his simple teenage dreams. Now that also is problematic because how does working for the government to kill demons or devils Grant you a peaceful life. I guess if you got rid of all the devils, there'd be nothing left to kill and the Public Safety Bureau would be dissolved. But that means a bunch of people are losing their jobs. There's a, There's a separate issue there about job security. So there might actually be an undercurrent within the Public Safety Bureau that they don't want all the devils gone Oh, here's a good sort of secondary story, is that former members of the Public Safety Bureau or current members actually go out and pretend to be devils so that they keep their own jobs. They're not going to think that deeply about it. He's just going to have to kill a really big devil at the end. And then they'll do a second season and they'll have like a new devil show up. So that was pretty shallow as far as information went. So I started going on Wikipedia and stuff. I started going out on the internet and look, and it turns out there is an answer for the debt and it's the noble one, which is quite nice. When his father died, Denji was stuck with a huge debt and no way to pay it back. Thanks to a devil dog he saved named Pochita. He's able to start. He's able to survive through odd jobs and killing devils for the Yakuza. And there is also a little more elucidation on his hiring process. After his transformation, he's quickly recruited by Makima to join the public safety devil hunters under threat of extermination now that he's technically a devil. So this guy's getting no breaks. He he was trying to pay off debt, and now he's being threatened. If he doesn't work for this government, they will kill him because he's technically a devil now. Now that he's living comfortably for the first time in his life, Denji struggles to determine his dreams and form meaningful relationships while killing devils and working alongside other eccentric devil hunters. So the question... I'm now fairly interested in this as a story. I'll probably want to read the first few, but I bet it gets repetitive. This is one of the problems with comics is they follow sort of the same path, especially in Japan. It's almost like they have like a a formula that they follow and it's basically Naruto or something like that. But if you're looking for a new anime... And you haven't read these comics, it sounds like Chainsaw Man has some of the very standard anime tropes, but also has taken an interesting take in that this guy can turn his penis into a chainsaw.